0: It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Tyre Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At Sunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. At glgcorp.com the First Serve, your home of tennis.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to The First Serve, right across the SEN radio network. Great to have you company for another Monday night. Always love taking your tennis calls on the back of Ash Barty, doing some magnificent work in Miami for the second time in three years. 1-300-736-736. Or you can get us tonight on the temper text, of course, 98 11 16 04-33-98-11-16. But love your calls. Ash Barty, Miami, what did you make of it? You be What a star from Poland upstaging the field. We know they went in a little decimated the men's side of the draw at the top. No Djokovic, no Nadal, no Federer, no team. That opened up the door for some other players that we certainly know who are very, very good players to actually make their mark. But if we said at the start of the tournament that Hubert Hurkacz from Poland was going to win the Miami Open, no one would have believed you. But he played a magnificent uh, fortnight. Great to have our friends at Tennis Direct on board. Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. You can visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au right now. And you can get a 10% discount uh, store-wide. Got the uh, Sunbless sunscreen to give away tonight. Got the Athletican uh, sneakers as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We can only start on this note tonight, and that is with Ash Barty. What a fortnight. She is, clearly, the world number one player. And if I take my own mind back about a month or two ago, when we were scrutinising Ash a fair bit, including the person sitting in this uh, studio tonight. It's hard to, um, hard to pull apart someone who's world number one and has been for a little while. And the only thing that personally I wanted to see Ash just refine and get better was turn more of the passive stuff into more of the aggressive stuff because the fundamentals, the skill, the artistry on court, what she can do with a tennis ball is extraordinary we don't like seeing Ash Barty go into her shell and be passive. And when she's able to step inside that end baseline and direct the traffic, she's just about unbeatable. We would have loved to have seen an Osaka-Barty final, not to be, but if the, the next player, if Osaka couldn't get into the final, was going to be Andreescu. If she could only stay fit and healthy, she would be right at the pointy end of the women's game. She is a young star in the making. Once again, uh, injury cruel her in that final. Lagash certainly was in the driver's seat, 6 3 4 love. If we go all the way back to the first round, well, the first round she had the bye, second round took on Kukova, was staring at a match point. It could have been all over. So she showed a fair bit of adversity early in the tournament, dispensed Ostapenko, had one bad set against Azarenka, otherwise controlled that match. The match against Sabalenka was fascinating. And I'm a huge Arena Sabalenka fan. I think she can win a grand slam one day. And her temperament's getting better. Her her balance between aggression, all out aggression, and controlled aggression is getting better. But down the stretch of that match, it's the steady Ash Barty who says to Sabalenka, You've got to have a little bit of poise, Arena. And she just lost her way. She couldn't quite go with Barty down the stretch of that match. She did a lot right. Arena Sabalenka, but once again, Barty dispenses of a power hitter, six four six seven six three, easily dispensed of Svitolina. No tricks for Svitolina to knock over Barty. Interestingly, the head-to-head was five one going into that particular match, but they'd met quite a while ago. A lot of those meetings were before Ash became world number one and really a stamp of authority on women's tennis. So the Ashbarty version now a far better player than Svitolina, and then Andrescu. Look, she played some tough matches. That semi final I think finished about one a.m. the previous morning. She loves playing a three set There's A bit of drama that goes with Bianca Andrescu. There's a lot of Ashbarty in Bianca Andrescu. She loves to change the pace of the game, the tempo of the ball. Uh, she can slice away. She's got so many aspects to her game that we love. But Ashbarty, she's a magnificent ambis- ambassador on the court. She's a magnificent ambassador off the court. And if she brings that level of tennis for the duration of this tennis season, she is going to stay as the world number one. They're coming for her. They want to take her scalp. She'll play Charleston this week and then get to the red dirt over in Europe leading up to the French Open. That's a fascinating talking point tonight. Is the French Open going to go ahead we're going to dissect that. Linda Pierce, our special guest, the award-winning journalist who's covered tennis for a long time, a little bit later on, and Sam Maxwell, player agent to many of the Australian players. But what did you make of Ash's fortnight? one 736 736 would love your calls. Guaranteed to get a prize tonight. What did you make overall of the men's side with Herbert Hirkash winning? But we might just take in a little bit of Ash Barty, having a chat to the Tennis Channel post a magnificent win across the weekend. You just continue to get better all the way throughout
2: the week. Uh, how did you feel out there today?
3: Yeah, it was a, a really solid start today. Really tricky conditions, and obviously never the way you want to you want to win a match or particularly a final. And I I really do feel for Bianca. She just can't take a trick at the moment with with her injuries. And uh, I I said to her at the net, just I think it's going to be the first of many battles for us, and and hopefully they're healthy battles. Um, but hopefully it doesn't it doesn't hinder her season too much. And she's back out here before we know it.
2: You were using each and every part of the court as you've been doing so well this week. A little tricky when you know your opponent's perhaps a little bit injured does it change anything in your mindset
3: yes it is difficult without a doubt um, it, it's just trying to to trying to keep doing what you're doing right uh, and I think that it was really blustery conditions really difficult out there on court level and it was just about me trying to be precise with where I wanted to hit the ball and, and ultimately continue to be aggressive
2: you barely played at all last year now you've come in this year second title of the year you've gotten a lot of matches under your belt uh, how do you feel momentum wise uh, you have a long trip coming after this but uh, you're not going home for a while.
3: Yeah we, we do have a long trip and, and after our trip over I said it can only get better from here and it's been the perfect start for us but which will hopefully be a long successful and safe season and uh, it's it's a brilliant start and, and now we're looking forward to, to getting on the clay and getting stuck into the middle part of the year.
2: What does your, your schedule look like? Do you have any weeks off where you're able to do some training blocks or is it just matches matches?
3: Uh, a mix of both. Uh, I'm excited to get to Charleston next week. It's, it's going to be really uh, a beautiful place. I, I love playing in Charleston. Um, so that'll be the, the first of our clay court uh, tournaments and then we'll, we'll jump over to Europe and get on the red clay and um, yeah, hopefully the body holds up well. well. We'll train in between when we can, but ultimately play as much as we can as well.
2: Now you've finished the tournament, so you'll have a little more uh, freedom as the restrictions ease up. Will you get to... Enjoy the city at all? A little celebration perhaps before you take off?
3: Uh, um, not, not for us, no. We're jumping straight on a plane tonight and getting to Charleston and um, into our next bubble. But you know what, It's we know that we're very fortunate uh, and very grateful as a playing group to have the opportunity to play matches. And if that's in a bubble, that's totally fine by us. I mean, we're, we're safe, we get to do what we love and I think the tournament's done a fantastic job and in creating environments where we know we are safe and we, we just have to abide by those rules, but that's no worries at all.
2: We all know how uh, tremendously uh, humble you are uh, it's just so endearing, lovely to watch you uh, winning so much and playing so well. Uh- Lindsay had mentioned the uh, list of names of defending champs who, who have been able to defend their title here, and it's just quite an illustrious list. Um, you know, the Williams and, and Graf and so forth. Uh, your thoughts on, on being in that category with those players?
3: Uh, I certainly don't feel like I've, I've earned the right to belong with, with such champions of our game, but uh, I'm just trying to, to come out here every day and be the best that I can be. Um, and, you know, for, for me to be able to first defend my first title is really exciting, and for it to be here in Miami is really special as well.
1: Ash, um, y- Ash Barty, uh, there she is uh, having a chat, of course, on the uh, tennis channel here from Herbert Hercash in uh, just a moment. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to give us a call. One on the text uh, from Zach. Ashbarty to me, her best talent is she wins the big points and stays composed. Beautifully said, Zach. So any time in the last fortnight where she's – and she had some moments of adversity. You don't get it on your terms all the time. Uh, in professional sport. There's times when you are just floating almost and you're playing unbelievable tennis. You're striking out of the middle of the strings. Everything's going to plan. And there are the times when your opponent is putting you under enormous pressure. So her ability to go to a couple of things. One is the serve, which not many female players on the tour can go to in clutch moments to get themselves out of a sticky situation. So she's got that. And then she's just got plan A. B, C, D, and E. She can go to so many different things in the tram lines to get her out of a sticky situation that not many other players can. They've got, they're have got they a little bit more one-dimensional, whereas Ash, we know, is multi-dimensional. It's a delight. We need to cherish the fact we have the world number one player. That is pretty damn exciting. So onward and upward, hopefully, for Ash Barty uh, right throughout the year. Herbert Herkash. The man from Poland up 21 spots to world number 16. What a fortnight. He played some unbelievable tennis. That backhand, really, really special. That backhand was uh, absolutely uh, superb. 1300 736 736. Give us a call. Uh, we want to take uh, your calls uh, tonight. First round had a bye. Second round, Dennis Kudler. Third round, Beat uh, Denis Shepovelov. Fourth round beat Milos Raonic. Quarterfinal beat Stefano Tsitsipas. Semi-final knocked over Andre Rublev. That was a great win against Rublev, who's been running hot this year. And Herbert had just one or two extra shots that dismantled Andre Rublev. And then a great final to take on uh, Yannick Sinner who had been absolutely flying. Sinner is a star of the future. He's going to be right up there at the pointy end of the men's game for many, many years to come. And Hercash knocked over his good mate. They've been playing a fair bit of doubles together. We'll hear from Hercash very shortly. But Billy's in Ascot Vale. Billy, welcome to the first serve. Yeah, hi,
0: Brett. How are you going?
1: Good, thank you. Yeah, just
0: quickly, Brad, can I just ask... Playing at home, is it
4: puts a lot of pressure on Ash. It just seems like she plays better when she's not playing in Australia.
1: Is that uh, something that you can see or do you think it's just nerves? Or... I don't think it's got, uh, to me, Billy, I don't think it's got anything to do with uh, whether she's playing in Australia or abroad. I mean, it's hard to play your best tennis all year round. I mean, the Australian tennis players are used to spending more time abroad than they are at home anyway. They get this, such a small little window, a little uh, pocket to play here. I don't think she felt the pressure. I mean, if you if you go back now and reflect, I mean, she won a tournament leading in. She makes a quarterfinal. Look, absolutely should have won that quarterfinal. So that that's one that absolutely got away. Um, first round in Adelaide was disappointing. You would have thought that tournament coming back as defending champion that – She'd certainly go a few more rounds and uh, Collins that night just, I mean, she hits the ball, hits the absolute cover off the ball. So those sort of players can uh, trouble Ash if she hasn't got that time to get on that slice backhand and just control the tempo of the match. But, you know, a player like Collins will have a day where she's absolutely firing in all cylinders and then the next match she plays, Danielle Collins, she'll be missing everything and making, you know, 40 to 50 unforced errors in her matches. Ash is never going to let a game get out of control uh, from that point of view. So, no, I, I don't... I, I mean, she's so matter-of-fact, Ash Barty. She's so level. She's so even. Um, nothing faces her at all. And I think she just, you know, she loves playing the game. But it, as she said, it won't totally define her. But if we're, if we're maybe making a little comparison to Sam Stoza, I think it's a very different situation. I think Stoza has felt a bit of the pressure, no doubt, and the expectation of playing here in Australia, but not Ash Barty. And uh, that'll be the icing on the cake, wouldn't it? To have an Australian win the Australian Open. We can only hope maybe that Ash can uh, just peak at the right time in the next uh, couple of years. Just before the break, a little bit of Herbert Harkash uh, speaking on the Tennis Channel, the man from Poland winning the Miami Open over the weekend. That is a brilliant trophy right there. Now,
2: I just want to ask you, how does this sound? Hubie Herkach, Miami Open, Masters 1000 champion. H- how does that sound? <laughs>
5: I mean, it feels unreal. I mean, so happy that I was able to play a really good match today. I mean, Yannick is an amazing competitor. He's such a such a young guy, super nice guy, and like he works so hard to be here. So I mean, I'm so proud of myself that I was able like this time to like to to, to beat him. So,
2: <laughs> you know, Hubie, we talk about uh, how few people have actually won these 1,000 titles, especially over the last 10, 15 years. The big three have just been taking them all for themselves. How special does it feel uh, for your evolution of your game to be able to take this title?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy. I think like it gives me like uh, extra motivation and extra belief in myself that like I mean, I, I want a really big title right now, and now it just like motivates me to to be an even better player, to improve even more.
2: So you're not gonna take any rest, anything after this, just straight back to work. Yeah. You know what? I like that attitude now let's let 's go back to the beginning of the event uh, there, It was big news that mm-hmm. Roger Rafa Novak they weren 't going to be here. Mm-hmm. Did that give you a little bit of a different mindset? Uh, you know what I really got a chance here
5: yeah, I mean like uh, at the beginning of the tournament, I was like practicing with my coach c b to I mean to 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 play really well. I mean uh, last week I lost to to Danis who played like a really great match. And uh, and then I saw in the draw that I could like if I win a match, then I possibly can play against him. So um, I was really trying to we're truly trying to take it step by step. And I think we did a great job doing that.
2: Speaking of step by step, uh, we took a look at your draw and just an absolutely brutal draw. You took out Shapovalov, you took out Rublev, Tsitsipas, Reunic, just some brutal matches was there a point in the tournament where you said you know what now I, I really got a shot to win this thing
5: i mean like i was like uh, obviously uh, when i got to the semi-final i was like but still i was like thinking like step by step i mean i i played Rublev for one like 60 matches since the restart of the tour so like massive amount of matches so much confidence so I, was, I mean i was just trying to play my best game
1: there is uh, Herbert herkash from Poland uh, winning in Miami. So uh, we'll keep a very close eye on him as he now heads to the Red Clay. He'll be straight to Monte Carlo to prepare uh, for that big event, one of the most uh, spectacular events on the tour next week. Just before the break, quick snapshot elsewhere. Uh, we had the challenger in Marbella in Spain, Gianluca Magier, the fourth seed, the Italian, up uh, 11 spots to 91 in the world. Ten players Italy have got inside the top 100. So he's just overtaken Seppi in the rankings. Uh, he was the lowest ranked of the Italians inside the top 100. He has been at 77 in the world. But uh, fourth challenger win, Mark Polman's having a tough year, Pullman. 0-7, and seven, went out in the first round. Leo Borg, son of Beyond Borg. We mentioned him last week on the show. Uh, lost to Taro Daniel 6-1, 6-2. I'm noticing qualities overnight. He's lost to um, Evgeny Donskoy, who was the captain of the Russian ATP Cup team uh, earlier this year got absolutely cleaned up in uh, that particular match. Well done to maddie Reed. Back to back, we spoke to him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Not necessarily a great paycheck, but he's won another challenger uh, with another Brit in Dominic Inglot. Uh, of course, having won with Glasspool a couple of weeks ago, so he took out the Marbella Challenger and the doubles ten and three. Uh, Reedie really this year going very nicely. Uh, Harry Bouchier went out first round in the Challenger in Portugal. What is happening uh, this week? We've got the 250 in Marbella, Spain. So Pablo Carino Busta is the top seed. Fabio Fanini is the second seed. Leo Borg did go out 6-1-6, love. So a young man with a famous surname who... Uh, got a, a wild card into the Qualies here, and look, he's got a long way to go. So no pressure on him at this stage of his career as he tries to transition from the juniors to the seniors. Uh, Luke Seville and J.P. Smith will play doubles in that event this week. Uh, John Millman's back on the tour uh, this week, having a little sabbatical, missing Miami. Elected to go to Alicante, the home base of Alex Dimonor, to do a couple of solid weeks of training. So he's going to be in Cagliari in Italy uh, this weekend, taking on uh, Federico Correa, who's, what, double in the rankings there. So hopefully Johnny can find some form. He's had a a bit of a tough start. Matthew Ebden went out in qualifying overnight, also coming back from a layoff of that little injury he got uh, a couple of weeks ago. Went out uh, in straight sets, unfortunately, but he's still alive. He's going to play the doubles in that 250. Uh, The Volvo car open, better known as Charleston, on the tour. On the clay. So, this is the event which has got a strong field. Ashbardi is going to play this event. She's got the buyer. Tom Yanovich, is going to be in it. And Storm Sanders qualified overnight. Let's go behind Storm Sanders. She can play. I reckon she can get this ranking down towards 100 by year's end if she can make these big events and just win a round or two. So, a good effort by Storm to qualify overnight. Ellen Perez will be in the doubles in that particular event. Astra Sharma will play in Bogota this week. In singles and doubles, Arena Rodinova lost in qualies in the singles. She'll play in the doubles of that particular event. And it's a lot of Aussies uh, going around, including a couple of challenges. Now, uh, Split Croatia, it's uh, a full Aussie contingent. Thanasy Kokanakis will play in this tournament. Alexander Vukic, who I think has just jumped out on court as we speak. Bernard Tomic will play later on tonight. Mark Polman's trying to win his first match for the year. And Akira Santalan, now we might bring in Jed So just before we go to the break, my right-hand man here at the first serve, because Akira, Jed has been playing his second and final round of quality not to try and get through to the main draw. How's he faring? So he's dropped the first
6: set 2-6, and then he's taken the second 6-3, and we're tied at two apiece in the deciding set up against the Serb, Miljan Zekic. Okay,
1: uh, He's had a pretty good little period, hasn't he, And He's been playing a lot. He has. Been playing a lot of qualities, trying to get in. We think he's a player that certainly is a lot better than what he's ranking. He's got a beautiful single-handed backhand. So he he needs to start uh, really progressing a lot deeper in these challenges.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that he's working a lot harder this year and really put his head down. And you can see
1: it, his results are translating. So... Really hoping he can have a big year. All right, we'll come back with a score in that match before the hour is out. We'll take a break. Uh, the award winning tennis journalist Linda Pierce to join us next here on The First Serve.
0: First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at Sunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
1: Great to have your company right across the SEN Radio Network. We do talk the world of tennis uh, every uh, Monday night. Little shout out for Hume Tennis and Community Centre. They're one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues. Just 15 minutes from Melbourne Airport. Great setup with Tim Conley and all the team. 16 ITF size courts. Accommodation available. It's a mini Melbourne Park ideal. For the travelling coaching groups and families, check out humetennis.com.au. Just quickly one off the Tennis Direct text. Uh, Brett, my son was in a packed Shanghai Stadium late 2019 and watched the pole play a Chinese qualifier in reference to Herbert Huckash. He was Herb's only supporter and was given a big wave after the match. Well done, Herb, with a couple of exclamation marks. He's a very likeable player, very popular on the tour, got a big game. He's now inside the top twenty. He's made some noise in Miami in the last uh, fortnight. Uh, let's welcome in. This is going to become a regular occurrence to start each month. She's an award winner when it comes to tennis, winning the Ron Brookman Media Excellence Award, covering tennis. She's also covered so many other sports across a terrific uh, journalistic career. It's great to welcome in uh, Linda Pierce on this Monday night. Hi, Linda. Hello, BP. Thanks for having me. Good uh, to be back,
7: actually. It's been a, well, the last time we chatted. We were in the bunker at the AO watching Djokovic yes. warm-up from memory. So yep. not quite as glamorous tonight, but that's okay.
1: The tight bunker. We love the bunker. Although this year we had a little bit more room in the bunker, which was uh, much appreciated. Uh, we've been singing the praise of Ash Barty to start the show. Can I just get your own take uh, on her performance to uh, back up and defend Miami?
7: Yes, it was, a, it was a great week for us. She won in all kinds of circumstances. Didn't she? Down from match point, I'm sorry, from match point down a couple of three setters, some really great tennis as well, um, more clinical. I thought she was playing really well against Andrescu when obviously the ankle got twisted there. So I, I felt she was going well on the way to winning that one, of course, after set two love when it happened. But she just seemed very composed and controlled without being, as I think you mentioned earlier, too passive. So she really struck the right balance, I felt, this week and got herself out of some tight situations. But um, probably really needed that this week, given that the talk about the ranking and whether she deserved it and it must have been tough to be playing not 100% fit in Australia and um, and just have people questioning you the whole time and I think this is going to be a great sort of momentum um, bring up for Ash.
1: What's your own take on that Linda? I mean it has appeared to have created some sort of angst amongst uh, players. We've seen Zverev outspoken on the men's side the last few weeks in regard to you know Roger only having played one tournament in the, the, for the best part of 14 months and Uh, his ranking stays the same. I mean, when you think back, we had Courtney Walsh on the show last week talking about this, that during a pandemic, they probably had no choice, the tours, but to freeze the rankings. It's just how it's going to look coming out the other side. So it's not going to please everyone. Uh, The rankings is a a tough one to try and explain in layman's terms, uh, just to general sports followers. But what do you make of the argument regarding Ash and her stranglehold on the number one ranking?
7: I did a piece just after the Australian Open and I went to um, one of the the WTAs, Kevin Fisher, the stats guru, and if it had been under the old system, Ash would have been number 18 in the world then, and yet she was number one. And so I do think the way Osaka had been playing in the the, the few tournaments she had played, there was a case to be made that she was the the, uh, superior player at that point. Well, I I think the ranking system, I went through it again today, I think you almost need a statistics degree to work out exactly how it it all plays out at the moment. But um, I do think that it's a bit like JobKeeper, they had to do something, it's never been done before, and yep. they're just sort of working it out as they go. So it was never going to be perfect. And I think that players just have to understand these are the rules, whether you think it's fair or not. That's what the tours have decided in um, cahoots with the players and the tournaments. Everybody seems to think this is the best, um, on on the whole, the best way to do things in an unprecedented situation. So, I mean, it will gradually return to normal. They're they're making the transition, especially the WTA at the moment, to getting back to the 52-week rolling system that we know. So it's not going to be that long before we're back to normal, and I think think people just
1: have to suck it up. Yeah, I think it'll start to sort itself out. And there were some players last year who certainly had an opportunity to improve their ranking on the WTA Tour and maybe didn't take – uh, enough of those opportunities. little story, uh, Linda, that's just been bubbling around the last 24 to 48 hours is in regard to the French Open and whether it's actually going to go ahead back in its traditional time slot of uh, late May. We know that uh, I think uh, Paris is about to go in and France is about to go into another lockdown. There's been a huge surge of cases over in uh, that part of the world and it looks like it really could put the French in some sort of jeopardy.
7: Definitely. Well, France entered its third nationwide lockdown just last Saturday and they're expecting it to be lifted by mid-May, but given that the French is due to start on the 23rd, it doesn't leave them a lot of time really to be talking about getting crowds back in whether or not they just go ahead without crowds which seems to be the way they're they're, um, allowing other um, professional sport to go ahead in France at the moment I don't see them being able to have crowds to be honest and the the financial hit these tournaments are taking from not being able to sell tickets is just immense but the the difficulty this year is that last year they made that as you recall very unpopular Mm. kind of unilateral decision to just say oh we're going to play in September, October without really talking to anybody and just sort of stealing the date really Um, and it's going to be harder this year there's the olympics asia will want to go ahead in some form you would think and as chris clary wrote today they've got a new president the french tennis federation who's a little bit less gung-ho than his predecessor (laughs) so i the, the thought is that he's not going to want to annoy people quite like um the guy before him so i just don't see how they can postpone i think they're going to have to try and and go ahead in some form now because it's going to be too hard
1: otherwise. What do you think? And well, once again, I mean, look at look at the uh, the, the kerfuffle, of course, last year. I mean, you, you, as soon as you move anything in the tennis calendar, the ripple effect is huge, isn't it, Linda? Because there exactly. aren't any aren't any spare weeks. I mean, everyone's everyone in the calendar's got a a week or a two weeks designated to their tournament, uh, their place on the um, on the global map, and it affects everyone.
7: That's right. And even um, last year, just gone. And the fact that they came straight after the US Open, a lot of players like Nadal, others, thought, well, we've got a slam coming up in, in our area of the world in Europe, so we won't bother to go to the US Open. It's too hard, too dangerous. And so that affected the US Open field as well. Yeah, it's, it's complete domino um, central. And yeah, I, I can't see them being able to get another date later in the year. I mean, New Worlds are still trying to find one. Yeah. Um, it's just not it's just not easy.
1: Not easy indeed. Well, keep an eye on that story. It's a bubbling around at the moment as we're about to head to uh, the red dirt in the next uh, week or so with all the big lead-up of tournaments. I I love this period personally, Uh, watching an event from Monte Carlo and then Madrid and Barcelona and Rome, a fantastic facility there uh, for the Italian Open. Then we get to the French. So fingers crossed uh, everything goes uh, to plan. What about just tennis, the the big picture of the sport, uh, Linda, through a a tough time for administrators to navigate their way through a a pandemic? Um, How are you viewing the state of tennis at the moment? I was fascinated by the Vasek Pospisil meltdown
7: last week after he'd had a very fiery meeting with um, the ATP officials because, of course, Pospisil and Djokovic are the driving forces between the Professional Tennis Players Association, that breakaway group that we first found out about at the US Open last year. So there's a lot of internal bickering still going on and, of course, you get the big names other than Djokovic like Nadal and Federer and Murray saying we want to keep the status quo, and even Dominic Thiem. Um, and then others saying, no, we're not getting enough percentage of the prize money, especially considering how much the prize money has shrunk, given COVID. So that's a fascinating little subplot, I think. And the other one, of course, is going to be which players agree to get vaccinated, and that will have a big impact on how tournaments can actually be run. I mean, yep. even in Miami last week, that we had the yeses and the noes and the maybes, and some players saying, well, I'm not going to get vaccinated because I don't get any benefits, and I'm going to have to go into uh, quarantine or... Live in a bubble anyway, and then others like uh, Simona Halep's already had her Pfizer jab and she did it really publicly to kind of make a statement about it. So, how and we haven't even heard from Djokovic, of course, um, who's the you know the famous, most famous anti vaxxer. So, Mm. it's interesting to see like even Spitalina and Sabalenka and people like that saying we'd we'd actually we don't want to. Have a vaccination so i don 't know how that 's going to impact tournaments the money 's a big issue there 's the whole breakaway group it 's yep. a really kind of delicate situation right now
1: uh, it is and I, I heard Darren Kale on uh, SEM breakfast this morning uh, some great insights he 's always great to listen to uh, killer and you know he 's in Las Vegas at the moment, about to go and join Simona over in Romania and then play the clay court season he 's effectively away until about September, but as he was saying today, because you're changing continents and countries, um, it's tough to get a little window to actually uh, get the vaccination because the, the tennis family, if you like, are moving all the time.
7: That's right. And and even the whole, um, whether it's compulsory or not, WTA, for example, say that they won't make it compulsory because it's a person's right to choose. But then how does that impact the rest of the players playing in an event? So as you say, there's the practicalities of simply getting the jab and then there's the impact of, of doing so or not.
1: Linda, we might finish on uh, this one. Now, tomorrow, Australia's top junior tennis players are preparing Ah, for the (laughs) under-12s and the under-14 Australian Clay Court Championships, which will be up in Canberra. And there's one name that jumps out on the sheet here, Cruz Hewitt.
7: Yes, number one seed in the 12 and under boys at the National Clay Courts at Lynham up there. I actually watched um, Cruz hitting uh, about a year ago. I was at... Melbourne Park trying to interview, about to interview Sam Stoser actually and below me i saw young i saw a, a yeah. very familiar hewitt and then a western familiar hewitt and it was interesting because layton was running around as the water boy out <laughs> uh, for his 11 year old son and um yeah i was fascinated to watch him play he's got so many of the same kind of mannerisms and that had the cap backwards and and the whole thing so maybe australian men's tennis is going a bit better than the women's apart from ash at the moment but yes maybe we've got another hewitt coming through who will be will be a he has been around davis cup for as long as we he can has. both remember, is that every tie. Yep. He's, um, he's immersed in it. Uh, and, yes, yeah, <laughs> so it would be a, a, an incredible story, really. You're seeing Leo Borg and you're seeing Seb corder
1: mm. Maybe
7: he's our answer to those.
1: That would be nice. Uh, I don't know if there's a live stream. I'm going to have to maybe check in with uh, uh, Tennis ACT tomorrow morning so we can get a little live streaming of watching uh, Cruz. It yeah. would be good to actually watch him <laughs> up close. Uh, Linda, we're looking forward to having you on board with the first serve, also part of our uh, our website, of course, uh, producing a lot of content on a week-to-week basis, thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, log on there daily. We're covering the tours. We're covering all the issues going on outside the tennis court as well. We look forward to your contribution on that and on our little humble show on a Monday night.
7: Oh, thank you, Briggie. I think my first offering in that regard will be a bit of a piece on the state of Australian tennis, so looking at a few interesting stats today, and we'll be chatting to a few people about that.
1: Great stuff. Linda Pearce, award winner, of course, recognised by the ATP back in 2015, winning the Ron Brookman Award, which is for... uh um, elite journalism and Linda long time of course uh, writer for the age uh, freelancing uh, these days uh, check in with uh, Tennis Direct as you're listening in to us tonight, Australia's favourite online tennis store, Fast Delivery they've got great prices, if you order over $150 they'll deliver it for free so you can go straight to their website tennisdirect.com.au, use the promo code uh, First Serve 10 you'll get a nice little discount as well we'll come back and we'll check in with player agent Sam Maxwell
0: first serve tennis sunscreen a quality australian made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunbless sunscreens.com.au and glg green life group your open space specialists at glgcorp.com the first serve your home of tennis
1: welcome back to the first serve it is your home of tennis happy to take your calls 1300 736 736 on the tennis direct text you can get us tonight as well, 1116 we uh, We're hoping to get across to the West in just a moment to have a chat to uh, Sam Maxwell. I did uh, just want to bring this up uh, tonight. I was referred to uh, Tennis Media Group. It's a, a, they've got a newsletter called Tennis Club Business. And their catch cries, Mavericks don't toe the line. Now, their publisher is a guy, I was actually introduced to him on email going back a couple of months ago, Rich Nayer who's a passionate guy who holds a position of power, who's often quite critical of the USTA and also the ITF. In an email exchange, he said, the USA is not into growing tennis anymore. Uh, Their great mission is to grow the US Open and keep their cushy jobs, bonuses and pensions. Gee, that makes me go back to a conversation we had about uh, a lot of people's thoughts on Tennis Australia going back about August, September of last year. A quote here from a prominent Californian tennis coach. USTA initiatives are either stupid or corrupt or short-sighted. It's usually one of these three. And Club Spark, not sure if anyone at local level can tell us a bit more about this. Club Spark is an initiative of the USTA that TA brought in um, I think to sort of just help clubs manage themselves, uh, there's a lot more to it. That's a very, very simple explanation. Um, there was a little uh, little comment here. Eyes and ears open when it comes to the USTA. Tons of people have communicated to me how unhappy they are with the rollout of serve tennis from complete disaster to people hate it. Uh, Mike Douse, who's the CEO of the uh, USTA, is clueless. He has no idea what he's doing. I've heard it all now. A person wrote on the Tennis Warehouse blog, if there's a way to screw something up, it's a safe bet the USTA will find that way. So when I read a lot of tennis forums and groups, and we've showcased a bit of it on our show, and we'll continue to be a voice for everyone, about people's displeasure with the governing body at that local level, this isn't just confined to Tennis Australia. There's a lot of discontentment with the USTA, there's a lot of discontentment in Britain with the LTA. So this spreads around uh, the tennis ecosystem. It's interesting. one uh, or on the text 1116 We might bring Jed Zetzer back in here. Akira Sandiland, can we get him through to the main draw? What's happening with Akira? One of the best single-handed backhands in the business, Jed. He's tied at 4-all in the
6: deciding set. It's a really lengthy uh, service game here. Uh, Zekic uh, has just hit a ripping backhand. We're back to Juice. So Juice at 4-all in the deciding set between Santalan and Zekic. That one's really going down to the YABP.
1: Okay. All right. Akira, he's a good talent, uh, Santalan. He's been playing a lot. In fact, he's been playing pretty
6: much uh, week in, week out. He was one of the only Australians following Australian Open qualifying in the Middle East to go straight onto the Challenger Tour and and keep playing. Most of the Australians came back to the Australian Open regardless of whether they were playing or not. So he's really putting in the hard yards Akira, and Hopefully we can see him get back to
1: that career high ranking, which was just outside the top 100. So it's a pretty tough time at the moment for a lot of those guys who are ranked let's say, you know, beyond sort of O'Connell, who sort of elevated himself up a little bit. But, you know, Polman 0-7, and seven, rankings slipped back to about 150. Let's go sort of 150 up. And, you know, they're all out on tour now. So Alex Bolt is the, probably the last of that group who's now jumped on the uh, the plane. He's made his way over to Croatia. He'd been in Brisbane the last few weeks uh, training, going out with uh, Matty Inglis, of course. So he's a little bit more Lizette of a homebody. Lizette Cabrera. Lisette Cabrera, pardon me. Sorry, it's Inglis and Jason Kubler. I was going to say, I think Jason Kubler might be a little bit upset with that one. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not across all the... Uh, what about... Uh, I thought I actually thought Alina Svitolina and Gail Monfils had separated. Well, they had, but they're back together. Now and they're Now they're getting they're... married. Yeah. What is going on? How good's that? Well, they called it quits about uh, uh, three months ago. They haven't been too many... you know, Apart from Steffi and Andre, I mean, they've made it work. Mm. That's just been a romance in heaven, both winning the 1999 French Open. But not too many tennis relationships have seen the distance. And they actually might be responsible for Sabby Corder's unbelievable form this year. They're a big part of it because he went there and spent a week with Andre and Steffi, so hitting on court at the, uh, the ranch uh, there in uh, Las Vegas, going out to dinner at night, just chewing the fat. I mean, how good is that? He got access to two legends of the sport just to pick their brains and pretty much from there, well, he'd already built some foundations, but he's kicked on another level. Oh, he has. And he's the one, uh,
6: he's the American that, you know, all eyes are on going forward. He, he's got it all. Plays
1: a bit like Thomas Burditch, one to watch for sure going forward. We like Seb Corder, uh, enjoyed his work at Miami, took a, a huge step. Uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching, Melbourne's independent tennis coaching program, it's out at Eaglemont, it's run by Shane Scrutton. Great setup. programs at every age and standard. Contact Shane 0414 or check out their website, yarratennis.com.au. A quick break, we'll come back, more scores and hopefully Sam Maxwell.
0: First serve tennis sunscreen a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblesssunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group your open space specialists providing landscape horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com the first serve your home of tennis
1: Welcome back to the first serve. I did want to check in with player agent uh, Sam Maxwell, who's uh, based over in Perth. Of course, looks after Casey Delacroix. Uh, John Piers is about to fly out tonight. Uh, one of the last Australians to uh, jet off for what is well maybe going to be a year out on the uh, tour. Andrew Harris as well. Sam, great to have you back. Part of the show. Hey, buddy. How things? Yeah, going uh, pretty well. I know it's a hectic time in your world, not only looking after tennis players, you look after sports people across uh, a wide range of sports. But Sam, this is such a fascinating time in tennis professionally at the moment. There's a lot going on, certainly on the men's side with the ATP, uh, the discontentment of many uh, with the the current uh, chairman, the administration, obviously trying to create this PTPR. There's a bit going on, I mean, how are you seeing it from a, a person who's looking after players whose living comes out of professional tennis
4: yeah look I mean it's definitely been it's definitely been a challenging 12 months for the players um, and I think that the hardest thing with with athletes is particularly tennis players is that they're used to they're used to structure and they're used to um, to planning things that are coming up and they they know a calendar um, and everything is just so uncertain um, I mean you obviously mentioned, Uncertainty around um, prize money and, and rankings and that type of thing, but but even schedule. Um, and in every week, tournaments are changing. Uh, the regulations are changing in terms of you know when players can and can't enter other countries because of COVID, etc. etc. et cetera. So it's, um, I heard Ash sort of spoke. Up, Ash Barty spoke after um, who went over the weekend. That you know it's it's I guess that old football analogy of one week at a time. Um, that doesn't really apply normally to tennis players, but it sort of has to at this stage. Um, and particularly from my side, looking after the Australians, um, it's going to be a long time for those guys away from away from friends and family, which is which is really challenging. And it's um, yeah, it's a pretty tricky situation.
1: Sam, on the men's side, do you think the ATP is doing enough to support the players to look after the players in their governance of the sport right now?
4: It's a it's a really it's it's a it's a tough. Um, it's a tough question um, and the thing with that is the ATP, I mean they're, they're stars of the game of the top players um, but then you know there are so many players that um, that that are trying to make a living in the sport and it's, it's brutal, I mean I think um, this year in challenges alone in terms of tournaments there's a only, off the top of my head about only two thirds of the events from three to April um, are going ahead compared to 2019 so that's a third of the events just aren't happening, so that's there's not job opportunities, um, which is which is tricky. because obviously been they're, they're trying they're trying to do their best in a tricky situation to um, financial packages and that and that to help. Um, but it, the thing with with tennis, it's an international sport. You know what we saw firsthand in Melbourne during the Australian Open that you know the, the governments are, are making it hard for for sports administrators. So yeah. I don't envy the position the ATP are in. Um, they're doing the best they can, but it's also at the same time, there are so many competing interests, um, which make it even you know, make it even more challenging.
1: Gee, if you're the chairman of the ATP, it seems like you're the sitting duck at times. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall because Chris Camode was ousted, from mm. what I understand, because he favoured the tournaments more than the players. You're sitting there surrounded by the players with representatives on one side, the tournament with representatives on one side – Andrea Goodenzi comes in, uh, walks into bushfires, then a pandemic. He's got a huge blueprint for the future of the sport on the, uh, the men's side, but he's um, facing a lot of uh, resistance in that role as well. It's, uh, it's a position that maybe um, not too many uh, envy being the chairman of the ATP.
4: No, it's something you're right, and it's nearly something you, you can't win. I mean, I know the the argument for the players for, for a number of years has obviously been that they wanted um, an increased revenue um, of, so increased share of, of tournament revenue. Yep. Um, that's that's still an ongoing discussion, um, mm. and now obviously with with COVID, you've got you, you've got schedule and, and tournaments and, and that type of thing as well. So it's um, it's it's not something that you're going to win because on one hand, that the players want more because they're the. Yep. They're the stars, but at the same time, without the tournament, the, the players aren't able to, um, to go and
1: perform. So Sam, I'm going to have to just cut it short there because we're running out of time. But let's pick up this discussion down the track. I'd love to have you back on. Sam Maxwell, a player, agent. That's a discussion to be continued. Jed sir Akira Sandiland, have we got him through? He's won. Beautiful forehand down the line, 6-4 in the third, through to the split main draw. Magnificent. Joining a feast of Aussies, all thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass-court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis courts, A-S-T-E Catch you next week. G'day,
3: Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. dot A-U.
0: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.